Welcome to Silent Symptoms, a Black mental health podcast. I am your host, Kataso Fridge, a Florida-based therapist. This podcast focuses on mental health, stigmas, and social injustices that affect the Black community. This podcast was created to bring awareness about mental health and can be used as an educational guide, but this is not to be used as a replacement for seeking help from a therapist. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, today on the new episode of Silent Symptoms, a Black Mental Health Podcast, we have Dr. Davis, and today what we're going to be talking about is what happens in our home stays in our home, so Caribbean and Black household and and the trauma within them. So I just love that Dr. uh, Janelle Davis is amazing. Um, She came on the podcast to teach us a little bit about, you know, African-American culture and Caribbean culture and how we actually contribute to trauma because we don't want to talk about what happens within our household. So this is the time that I'm going to allow Dr. Janelle to actually introduce herself to us. Hello, 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 everybody, and thank you again for having me. Um, Again, my name is Dr. Janelle Davis, and I am an author, keynote speaker, a professional counselor and growth specialist. Um, I am also the founder of Cultivating Conscious Course, which is an organization that basically runs a platform that brings awareness to trauma um, amongst African American families and uh, those of Caribbean culture. Awesome. So today we're going to be talking about um, the trauma that we have because we don't talk about the things that we're supposed to discuss. You know, what happens in the home stays in the home, which can be detrimental to our mental health. And it is traumatic, as you know, like over a period of time. So in your experience, Dr. Davis, what are some things that, you know, you often hear that uh, people from Caribbean or African-American household tell their children not to discuss? Um, to be honest, I don't think there's one thing in particular that they actually tell them not to discuss. It's just this generic code that you're kind of branded and taught since you're young. And, you know, I think it's mainly along the lines of family finances, uh, relationships, things such as um, abuse or addiction and different things of so forth. And I think the common rule is mainly along the lines of, you know, you don't discuss family business. Mm-hmm. The Caribbean household is, gonna, is simply going to tell you, you don't chat family business. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to, you know, the African-American household, it's the same thing. We don't want to discuss what happens in our house. What happens in our home stays in our home. And that's just the code. And I think that is branded in, you know, the minds of our youth for so long and for so many generations that it kind of just stays there. Yeah, and I think that, you know, it's very funny because every black household universally, whether it's in Brazil, it's in South Africa, the Caribbean, just African-American period, we all have this universal rule that everybody follows. And I was actually born and raised in South Africa. So even for myself, it was the same exact thing. Like we just knew that if you're going to sit up here and discuss what happens in that home, that is a violation of a code that we have within our families. And we're supposed to keep the trauma within our household. We don't tell anyone because it's none of their business. And that could be really detrimental to mental health, especially in things like abuse, you know, um, any incest or whatever is happening within the family, if we aren't allowed to talk about it, it's not really helpful to where we're trying to be as a culture. So what's the reason do you think the rule has passed on from generation to generation? 
Um, let's just start off by saying that that goes way, 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 way back. back, right? Um, even as far as slavery goes, um, but I think like in today's society, the main reason that that rule can um, constantly gets passed on from generation to generation is simply because of two things: either fear or shame. Um, when it comes to, you know, the embarrassment of, you know, you brought uh, shame upon the family, you know, you told our business, now everybody's wondering what the outside is looking about, what the outside is thinking of them, um, or the, the, the matter of fear, you know, I grew up in a household where that was also that rule. You know, you don't talk family business. Family business remains family business. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I think it was more a fear of what are What's going to happen if you repeat what, what just happened in here? You know, are they going to call those people on us? You know, are they going to send people to now invade our households and invade our privacy and, you know, get all up in our business? And, you know, so uh, when you're looking at a Caribbean standpoint, you also have to worry about the issues of things like, you know, deportation. Are we here illegally? You know, mm -hmm. if something is happening inside the household, we're not necessarily going to go out and say anything because if it draws any attention, forbid they find out that we're here illegally. Right. So you have those type of issues and those different type of barriers. But I also just think that in common and in general, it's just a matter of shame and fear. Yeah. And I, I love that you say shame and fear, because there are a lot of times we don't want to be judged in a community. We don't want anybody else to know what's going on, because like before, you know, we came into this new era, like neighbors were like family. So mm -hmm. if the neighbor knows your business, the one next door is going to know your business. So it's going to be a transitional transaction. And, you know, speaking of, you know, being in America illegally or to a different country illegally, a lot of fears are deportation. And that's trauma in itself because you're living in such a shell and you want to keep within your family. You don't want to say the wrong thing, especially if you're not allowed to be in a specific place. So, I mean, do you find that today's youth respects that rule of what happens in a home stays in the home? And if not, why? You know, that's kind of touch and go. I think that most of them do respect it for the most part. Um, that is just, like I said, a code that is never, it stays with us. You know, it's embedded in us. I really feel like they put it in our sippy cups when we're babies. <laughs> Everybody just drinks it. Um, but I also feel that they're a little bit more open than past generations. And I think that has a lot to do with, um, number one, social media, two different platforms, um, movements, um, school initiatives, and different things that they're taught and exposed to in today's generation that we were not exposed to. So we didn't have, you know, like things like the Me Too movement or the Mute R. Kelly's and, you know, the different platforms that exist today where it's okay to talk. It's okay to feel safe. And one thing that I realized is the minute someone is empowered, it's okay to talk. So once I'm able to find out that there are more people like me going through this and there's this such movement, um, today's generation are just a little bit more open to talking. And I'm realizing that that is causing a lot of issues within the homes also because kids are, you know, seeming more disobedient and rebellious. And it's not that. It's just that now that they're able to have that voice, they want to have it. Yeah, that's awesome because that, that empowerment, because it takes a village to actually share because a lot of um, like intergenerational trauma and all the R. Kelly's that are within our families, we're not allowed to speak up against them because the R. Kelly's of the family are the ones that are providing that network or the money 
in the household. So now that we know if our friend is going through that, we're able to share more like, oh, they're normalizing those those things that you know before were considered to be a taboo and I feel like too but I don't think that it's much of a hint like it's a a form of disrespect the family finds it as a form of disrespect but they should see it as you know the child or the woman being empowered because a lot of times even to this day I know women who are 50 60 who are just now talking about their abuse that they experienced by their uncle by their brother or somebody within their family network and because we weren't allowed to talk about these things they're living their entire life being traumatized so now their children are seeing and we're seeing it as resilience which in actuality it's not resilience right right we're in a place of basically going backwards because we're not really moving forward because we're not dealing with the traumas of what's going on in the now. And I like the fact that, you know, you talked about the Me Too movement because, you know, Me Too movement was started by a black woman and then it continued on and then it changed its face as it went on. And I feel like, you know, kids now do have that accessibility with social media to be able to share their experience. And I'm not saying, you know, I don't think social media is always healthy for children to, to, to talk about those things because they tend to overshare. And I think that, you know, having that, the counselor at school, guidance counselor, whomever is there to provide that platform. And I don't know, in Florida, they call it DCF, Departments of Children's and Families. People are afraid of that. Like, okay, you know, parents tell you, okay, if you call the police on me, you have to go with the police and you're not coming back in my home. Oh, yeah. Now we're scared. (laughs) And see, and I think that that is one of the bigger things um, with um, a lot of the African-American kids. One thing that I have realized Mm -hmm. with them is that they are a lot more empowered. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they are more empowered by different things like the movement. So they're not necessarily getting on social media and broadcasting their business, but those certain platforms have made them feel okay with mm-hmm. voicing that opinion. So they are more likely to come into the school system and say, hey, mom's at home beating daddy up. And mm-hmm. I saw, you know, on social media, they're a lot more conscious due to the fact that there are these movements, there are these platforms. So they have more knowledge than we had that this is unhealthy. You know, mm-hmm. the secret is unhealthy. You know, you have things like the Red Table Talk. You have different shows like that and different things that are going around where these kids are watching and they're seeing the exposure to these things and they're saying, hey, that's not healthy for me to keep this secret. I know mm-hmm. mom and dad said don't say anything, but I'm going to say it anyway. So I am seeing this and, you know, along the lines of the West Indian children, what I am seeing from them is not so much of the empowerment from the outside, but more of the burden. Whenever the burden becomes too heavy, it's being exposed. And it's no longer, you know, before I felt like, you know, my generation, it was what carried on our shoulders. (laughs) You know, they said we was built this stuff. We were built this strong and we just gonna have to carry it, you know, but Today's generation is, they're not on there. Yeah. The single woman syndrome, I think that, like, you know, especially the, the black women, we, we, we're taught to just carry it on. The black boys carry it on. We just yes. continue to perpetuate this, you know, unhealthy cycle. And, you know, yes, platforms like the Red Table Talk. And that's part of the reason why I created um, the Silent Symptoms, you know, podcast, a black mental health podcast. So I call it silent because we're always asked to be silent about our mental health. We're all silenced by the things that are happening within our families. So if we normalize it, even if I reach two people, I know that they know that 
you know, this type of relationship is not healthy. Keeping secrets is completely unhealthy. And because you're telling your truth, you know, your mom may be upset with you, but then that was good for you in that moment to share all the toxic things that are happening. And, you know, and especially the cycle of abuse where mom is hitting dad or dad is hitting mom and then they continue to normalize it. So now they're doing it within their relationship for power. And then, you know, if it's not that, then we have the issues of, like we said, um, we're looking at addictions, which Mm -hmm. is another big one. Um, You know, we have a lot of addiction going on within the family. And I think that secret of, you know, that's where the shame comes in. You know, that's where that part comes in. And it's just like, I'm more embarrassed to say that's who my father is or that's who my mother is. Mm -hmm. Um, Yesterday is a prime example. I had a young lady come out um, and her mother came to the school and her mother is an addict. Mm -hmm. Her mother is also uh, diagnosed uh, schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the embarrassment and the shame on her face Mm -hmm. to have mom even show up to school and just ask about her academics was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And you know, I had to pull her to the side and I had to have, have that conversation. But she's also a student that is very angry. You know, she's always in disciplinary issues, um, you know, different things with the law. And just to kind of have that conversation with her was very emotional. But, you know, at the same time, it was important to let her know it is OK to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. I did realize certain signs. I did see certain things and I saw the shame on your face. You know, and it's okay to feel this way, but never be ashamed of this situation because certain things are just out of our hands. Yeah, and I think validation is really important because, you know, like that shame that comes with seeing with your seeing your mom at school. So now you're embarrassing me and I already have to deal with it on a daily basis or whenever you do yes. decide to show up into my life. Right. Like, who are you? And, right. and a lot of, and the thing is, like, in black families, addiction is almost normalized or, you know, growing up. Remember me growing up, I see people drinking every single day on the porch, like this continuous cycle with no job. And that was normal. We never questioned that. We just let that be what it is. And I think that, you know, because the things were so normalized, we never really questioned it. We kept it within our home and the person next door had the same issue. So it continued to happen. Do you feel like um, the rule has an effect on children and families? I definitely think it has a huge effect on it, Mm -hmm. Um, obviously in a negative sense, but I don't think that it's knowingly done. I don't think it's intentional. Um, I think that, you know, when our parents say things to us, like what happens in my home stays in our home, they honestly believe it's for their protection. Mm -hmm. They honestly believe so, you know, little Johnny isn't removed out of the home or, you know, this doesn't break up the family dynamics. I don't think that most parents are, you know, telling their children this rule or, you know, instilling it in them for the fact of, you know, they want to protect themselves. I think it's along the lines of how do we protect the family? Mm-hmm. And what's in the best interest of the family and what's in the best interest of the family is not letting outsiders in. And that's why I say this goes back a little bit deeper, because, you know, when you think about slavery and you think about what we've been through as, you know, black people in general, it goes back further. We think about us and how can we keep us safe from the outsiders? And that is exactly what that message is sending to us. How do we keep ourselves safe from the outside? Yes, yes, yes. 
Absolutely. And I think that, you know, that protection, I think we have to find the fine line of what's really helpful to the family dynamic and what's really traumatic. And I think that that fine line is hard to define sometimes because, you know, like I said, like if we have, we're working women now before families can really say anything about abuse, if the mom is getting abused, dad is the breadwinner, we would have to really stay in those relationships and continue that cycle because we don't have our own right now and you have to keep the family together. And, um, you know, I don't know if you've seen the book, the Willie Lynch letters, but I posted this entire like snippet about the black family and how they were trying to break up the black family. And by making, you know, the black women to be, you know, the head of the household. So that would, they would teach the woman to be the head of household. So that would in turn shame the man and Mm -hmm. then we wouldn't have a family. Mm -hmm. And that's part of it. So in order for us to protect our families, we're not going to let outsiders in. We're not going to tell them what's going on because they're trying to take our man. They're trying to take our babies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, keeping that a family unit is really important, but I feel like, you know, being trauma free and reducing the effect of intergenerational trauma is more important to keep keeping the family together. And I, and I totally agree. I think ultimately, you know, it hinders us more than it helps us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're not actually being attacked. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. there, there exactly. is actually this attack on us expressing ourselves or having emotions. And what that message really does is it literally takes away your child's voice. So now everybody's mute. And, you know, I, it's a funny thing and it's an ongoing joke, especially with, you know, the Caribbean families that I deal with um, because they come in and they're, they're saying to the child, you know, talk up, you don't hear me talking to you. And I'm just like, is that a trick question? Is she allowed to talk now or is she not allowed to talk? And, you know, usually the child says nothing because they know talking back is disrespect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're like, I want to know what's going on. What, what's your problem? And the child's like, I'm thinking to myself, well, all along, mom, back at the ranch, you told her don't say nothing about what's going on in the house. Exactly. So you're the problem or dad's the problem or something is the problem, but it's coming from home. And now you want her to talk and, and she's mute, mm-hmm. you know, but we don't understand that we have just silenced our own children. And so when there's a time to talk, they don't talk. When there's a time to express, they no longer express. And we are kind of that root cause because we've always told them, shh, don't say, don't tell. Stay in a child's place. That's it. And I think that's that line, like, especially therapy, like, the parents want to find out what really is going on with my child. Like, what is happening? But mom, if you're sitting right there, they're not going to share the very thing that you said we're not going to share. <laughs> Sometimes they come in and say, you did not share everything I told you. These are the ones that are off limits. And the ones that are off limits are the ones that are actually causing the issues within the child, that yeah. are causing the anger, and that are causing the family dynamic to actually break down. And I, it is a trick question. I see that a lot in therapy sessions. Like, like, okay, well, now if we separate, we separate the session or if we say, let me talk to the child for a little bit. Now they're going to be drilled down when they leave. What did you say? I hope you didn't tell those people about our business, but you're encouraging them to talk. So it, it, it's a catch 22. You can't win either way unless the family is ready to heal in That's a way it. that they feel like it's safe. That's it. And I think the bigger problem is not just so much of them not being able to express to the outside, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on, but 
it almost cripples your child at some point where they won't even tell you. So, you know, I've had situations where children are being molested in the home. Mm -hmm. But because you say don't tell family business, mom, I don't even tell you that, you know, stepdad or uncle or brother's friend is molesting me. You know, there, there are so many different things that are happening inside of the home. But because you said, do not discuss it. I don't only not discuss it with the outside, but I no longer discuss it with the inside either. And so a lot of what it has done is form that, you know, relationship where kids cannot communicate with their parents. They cannot have a voice outside of their homes or inside of their homes. And that's also one of the problems. Um, today, for a prime example, I had a child that, you know, has thoughts of being suicidal. Uh, you know, just to have the conversation with her. And we got down to the ending and I said to her, have you ever had that conversation with mom? Have you ever told her how you feel? And she looked at me and she said, no. Uh, and I said, why not? And she just said, mm, like I couldn't. And I said, what do you mean? I said, what do you think? Let, let's role play. I'm mom. What's my, I'm coming to you and your mom. What's my response to you? And she literally just said, I mean, she may cry. Um, she would probably be a bit hurt, but she would be angry. And I said, why angry? And she said, because we're, we're from a Christian home. Mm. That's not supposed to happen. That's you know? not supposed to happen. That's not supposed to happen. And so I, I looked at her and I, and I, we talked about, you know, just God. And I told her, listen, I, I share the same love for God as you do. Trust me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I said, but I, I have to ask you this. I said, if you're a believer of God, do you also believe that God sends people to help you? Mm. And she looked and she stopped and she said, yes. And I said, who was somebody that God sent to help you? And she said, you. And she said, the friend that reported that she was suicidal. So, you know, it's important to teach your kids, obviously, the opposite of, hey, have your original beliefs, you know, believe in who you believe in, but don't cripple your children to where they feel that they can't be comfortable with having a conversation with yeah, because of the religion aspect. And I think that Christianity and Black household can cause such a hindrance because we love God so much. But then again, we, we use the staple of religion to kind of like have a thumb on ourselves. Like we can't even help ourselves because like God will never give you more than you can bear. And now right. we're, we're running with it because it's all about how you perceive that statement. And the people do come into your life to create that net of safety for people within the Christian community, outside the Christian right. There are people who are there to serve you so that you could get out of that situation. And I think that's the scary part, even as adults, because I, you know, I'm South African and, you know, I also work at an inpatient mental health facility and I have to ask question about suicide. And um, the guy was um, from Africa and then he was just like, so I was reading the question asking him, had he thought about killing yourself at any point? Did you have a plan? And then he was like, that's suicide. And I'm like, yes, it is. They're saying you're, you're suicidal. He's like, that's suicide. It was like the biggest taboo. Like, how could you ask me? Like, people from Africa, Black people in general are not suicidal. Yeah. We're yeah. not allowed to be suicidal. We're told that's not possible. And we keep all these feelings inside so we don't share with anyone. So I'm like, when I'm asking you this question, it's like I cursed at you. Yeah. And I feel like it, within that black community, you know, there's so much protection that we have within ourselves and we have the superwoman syndrome. Like women, we carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. And then as far as the men, some of them have been emasculated, but we're, we're right. empowering more. So right. now we need to have a new face as to what we allow our children to tell. 
And I think that the hardest part, because, you know, I have a 12 year old sister, we're like light years apart. And, you know, I tell my mom, like, you know, my sister, like, look for signs of distress. Like, this is not, she's going to tell you anymore. Kids don't share that much anymore. They don't. Is she acting differently? Is she upset? She's not trying to go to school. Like, all these things aren't because she doesn't want to do something. There's a reason within. Let's check to see. Always look for signs of distress. And I've been saying that since she was a baby. And my mom has been cognizant of it because she's South African as well. And she's, like, on that, we didn't know this stuff existed because we weren't allowed to talk about it. Correct. We weren't allowed to talk about it. So, like, for her, now this is such a beautiful thing for her to be constantly watching for my sister, making sure that she's protected, and having that safety net. Because my sister, she knows you can tell me anything. Nothing's ever too big, too small, and you need to be able to trust that mom and dad are going to believe you something does happen or anything is going on that you want to share. And thank God she's been, like, a very vocal child. Things like that. So we have to start creating that platform for our children to be able to share right. difficult for us too because whatever right. trauma our kids face we want to take that on as ourselves yeah. or try to blame ourselves so that's another layer <laughs> <laughs> and a, a lot of it also stems from what we're not able to own in our own selves as well mm. you know as people of color um parents women and men um i just find that a lot of times we're not able to own the things that we've been through Mm-hmm. Um, and so when our child is facing it or it comes up, we're also not willing to face that because we've never dealt with our own issues. Mm-hmm. We've never been able to have the voice or, you know, discuss our own traumas that we've experienced. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important for, you know, parents, especially in today's generation, to get really in tune with what they've been through. Um, yeah. You know, but not saying that it's something that, you know, they're going to celebrate, but at the same time, it is something that you have to be conscious about and acknowledge because you can then you know, bring your child into the very same situation. You know, mom told you, don't talk about the household business. Mm-hmm. Mom told you, you, you know, this is not how it's supposed to be and this is not how it's supposed to go. Um, meanwhile, back at the ranch, some of the very things that their children are facing, they face also. Mm-hmm. And because they were hushed and because they were silenced about family business, their emotions and their feelings were also suppressed. They mm-hmm. become, you know, men and women that can't communicate. And these are the same men and women having babies together, raising families together, and the generational cycle continues. Yeah, the cycle perpetuates and and we continue to be okay with it. And yeah. um, we just see that person as an angry individual or someone that's just, she just has an attitude. She's always been that way. So, okay, let's cycle back because we don't come into this earth upset. And Correct. then we say, oh, she's just like her mama. Her mama's so angry. It's like, well, yeah. mama didn't come angry. So something along the lines did not add up, did not come out right. So psychologically, this person is using that as a defense mechanism. So how do we move forward from that place? I think that's the difficult part about it. And, you know, you know, this is a very, very interesting topic. And I just love it because, you know, I have so much passion for, you know, the black family. I feel like we deserve so much in the black women. And how can we help the parents break the cycle? Now that is the question. (laughs) I honestly feel that breaking the cycle, it comes in three different parts. Um, Number one, I believe that it's really important for parents to create a safe environment for their kids, a safe and open environment that your child can be comfortable with having every conversation with you. Mm -hmm. 
whether that's, you know, talk time on a Friday night, you know, Sundays on the beach, whatever your ritual is or whatever it is, create that environment and that atmosphere where there is a time that your child feels that, listen, mom is going to stop washing those dishes. She's going to get off that telephone. She's going to put that mop down and she's just going to sit there and listen to me. If I have nothing to say and I just want to stare at her, I'm going to do that. And I think that is really, really, really important because the number one thing that, you know, I often get when I'm speaking to kids is they can't talk. Mom is too busy at work. Dad is always on the road. Uh, you know, there's all, they never feel that their parents have enough time for them, number one. So, you know, it's not just easy enough to say, hey, I have an open door policy. Knock on mommy's door anytime. That's, that's not going to cut it. You know, kids are respectable in the sense where they're like, mommy works overnight. You know, she's really tired. I didn't want to bother her. No, there has to be that set aside time where your child feels comfortable enough to come and have that open conversation and dialect with you. Um, the next thing I would honestly say um, needs to be done is providing, um, you know, teaching families, teaching them the difference between healthy and harmful. And I think that is the, the honestly, the key to it all. There are things that, you know, are, are healthy secrets. <laughs> there are certain things that everybody does not need to know. We don't need to know that, you know, your mom got back with her ex-boyfriend. It's not important. We don't need to know that mom just got a new tattoo. <laughs> yes, that's family business. Keep your mom's business her business. You know, certain things that's about herself, you don't have to come out the house and share, right? But if it is going to cause any type of self-harm, um, if it's going to cause any type of discomfort, if it's causing anybody else any self-inflicted pain or physical pain, then it is unhealthy and it does need to be addressed. So if, for example, you're going to say dad is an addict and every day dad comes in the house, you know, um, addicted to this or uh, using this type of drug or on this alcohol and he's going to beat mom up every single day he comes home because he's on a high, mm -hmm. that needs to be addressed. So there, there is secrets that does need to stay in the house. We don't need to know mom just had a boob job. You know, some of the things kids come in and say are just out the window. I'm like, yes, that's your mama business. Stop telling your mama business, okay? Yeah. Other things, if it becomes harmful, it needs to be addressed. Yes, absolutely. The, yeah, those healthy secrets and things are detrimental because, you know, like, Especially if like substance abuse that could be shared, but it's like as a parent safely parenting, uh, they're not causing harm. Or if they're spending all your money, you have to share because you guys are in a situation where you need some type of housing. You know, you're right. There are unnecessary things that we don't need to hear as therapists, as counselors, as doctors in general. And right. finding that healthy balance is really tricky, but it can be done. Yeah. And it's very, very important that children have that platform to talk. Like you hit the nail on the head. And I think that parents can be present because they feel like I've always been there, but have you been Correct. mentally present Correct. for me to present this information? And I think another thing parents are really, I mean, kids are really afraid of is that parents will make it their own. They Correct. almost own it instead of allowing the child to have that position to say, this is what Correct. I'm doing. I have my own feeling. Oh, now you making me feel so bad. I'm, I've been such a terrible mother to you, and it's like, wait a minute. Let There's nothing to do with you. Correct. Nothing to do. And, with and, 
And that's why I would honestly say the last thing that I would really say, you know, would help in breaking this cycle is mm-hmm. teaching children, you know, correct ways to express their feelings and emotions. Mm. You know, because kids often have a way of saying, you know, I'm this way because my daddy was this way. Stop saying what your mama said. That's not the truth. Stop saying that. <laughs> Stop saying that. Uh, you know, I can't help it because my daddy did the same thing. Or, you know, no, no, the apple does far fall from the tree sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's not always the case. So being able to have, you know, that dialect, but also um, being able to teach kids how to express yourself. It's okay to use your words. Everything doesn't have to be a fight. Everything doesn't have to be a shutdown. Everything doesn't have to be angry. So I find a lot of times is our kids don't know how to express, mm-hmm. you know, you feel this way about, you know, whatever's going on in my house. They don't know how to express their, their um, feelings and they don't understand the difference between being angry and mad. You know, they don't understand the difference between being sad and hungry. So, you know, uh, having them being able to be one and actually understand and realize what's happening in the mind, in the body is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a difference and especially like poverty and then there's so much like that could contribute to somebody's behavior versus, you know, yeah. Oh, all of us in the family are just like that. So it's okay. Don't let these people try to change you. You're going to be all right. And that's not okay. Finding that fine line to be able to communicate within the family system. I think if we could wrap this up will be, you know, there are some things that we don't necessarily have to share with other people who are not within the family system. And, Share information that is harmful to somebody within the family, to self, whether it's self-inflicted injury, injury inflicted to somebody else, um, any type of trauma. So anything that causes discomfort, anything that causes any type of, you know, self-blame, self-hate within the family system needs to be shared. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the mom is going to jail, dad's going to jail, or we're going to be separated. This could be a a simple fix like therapy or dad going to get help, you know, for his substance abuse or mom getting help for her substance abuse. And I think that we have to normalize getting treatment within our community in general. So anything else, Dr. Davis, I really appreciate you for coming and enlighten us on all this great information. So how can they reach you if they want to know more about you, more about your movement and everything that you're creating? So just make sure if you have a long name, just spell it out for the people so they can be able to find you. So it is a very long name and you're not going to remember the spelling. So what I will do is lead you to my main page, which will lead you to my business page. And my main page is the call doctor underscore D. And so I can be found on Instagram. I'm on um, Facebook. Um, The website is www.keep, K-E-E-P, it's I-T, conscious, K-A-N-T-S-H-E-S.com. That is awesome. Thank you guys for featuring. For all my YouTubers, you guys see today, I actually wore the shirt. I've been telling you guys I'm going to wear the shirt. So right up here, it says Melanated and Mindful. And if I lower it a little bit, it says Silent Symptoms Podcast. And this is the Silent Symptoms Girl. So if you guys want to purchase purchase the merch, you can reach out to me and make sure you reach out to Dr. Davis. She is doing amazing things for the community. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. 
please be sure to like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. You can catch us on Anchor and all your favorite media streams. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Silent Symptoms Podcast. Let us know if you have any feedback or topics that you would like to hear. 